The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the ninth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of of power in my name will be able soon afterwards to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourself and be at peace with one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you all from God our Creator and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In the past few weeks, I have had the honor of making two presentations about the icons in our sanctuary that tell the story of our Saint Philip, the one who gives our church its name. So he's been on my mind. And I'm very happy to be sharing about Philip with you today. We first hear about him in Acts chapter 6, when he is made a deacon in the early church. From the start, the church understood that it was to care for those in need, but it came to the disciples' attention that some of the widows were being neglected in the food distributions, and widows were really quite vulnerable at that time. So they appointed Philip, and some others to be deacons who would care for the widows. Not long after, a violent persecution broke out against Christians in Jerusalem. The apostles stayed behind, but other leaders, including Philip, scattered into the countryside. Did they hide? Did they pretend they were not followers of Jesus? No, they did not. They just spread the good news of Jesus Christ wherever they went, and the church continued to grow. In Acts chapter 8, we learn that our Philip went to Samaria, where he preached, healed, and baptized. Now, Samaritans were not the A-listers. They were Jews who had intermarried with foreigners, who worshipped foreign gods, so they were looked down on, and it had been going on for about 700 years. But to our Philip, They were valued children of God, and his mission with them was very fruitful. But then in the midst of all the preaching and baptizing and healing and coming to faith, an angel of the Lord told Philip to get on the wilderness road to Gaza. Philip was obedient. He went, and somewhere between Jerusalem and Gaza, he met an extraordinary man, someone quite different from himself. Now, our Philip is on foot, he's dusty, 
probably didn't have very much in the way of possessions or money because when he became a follower of Christ, he gave what he had to the poor and for the common good. The other man, on the other hand, is in a fine-looking chariot. He's probably traveling with an entourage because he's very important. His clothes are expensive. I would imagine he's wearing some nice jewelry. He's an official, a dignitary, a man of learning and intelligence and responsibility. He's a VIP. Remember, our Philip had cared for neglected widows. He had reached out to outcast Samaritans. And now God has presented him with this very distinctive, obviously wealthy person, a black man from Ethiopia, a servant of the queen in charge of her entire treasury. And I'm quite sure that our Philip saw all of them, neglected widows, Samaritans, and the exchequer of the treasury, equally and simply as beloved children of God. The Spirit said to Philip, go on, go over to the chariot, join that man. So Philip ran up to the chariot. Let's leave Philip there for a moment and consider what else we have been told about the man. We know he had traveled hundreds and hundreds of miles from Ethiopia, a journey of several weeks each way in order to worship in Jerusalem. He was on a religious pilgrimage which required a substantial investment of time and money and dedication. He came to worship the God of Abraham and Isaac in Jerusalem, which meant offering sacrifice in the temple. And with such a long journey, he may have stayed in Jerusalem for several weeks to be part of the Jewish festivals of Passover and Pentecost. What did he witness while he was there? Did he hear talk about the man Jesus and his crucifixion? Could he even have been one of those who heard his own language spoken by the disciples on Pentecost? We don't know. However, this important man, educated, believing in God, making the huge effort to go to Jerusalem, was, of course, a Gentile, an Ethiopian. He was not from Israel. So the closest he would have gotten to the temple was the outer court of the Gentiles. But in addition to being a Gentile, he was a eunuch. Whether from birth or altered as a boy, according to Deuteronomy, eunuchs were not allowed into the assembly of the Lord. Now at home, in Ethiopia, in the royal court, he was trusted and given great responsibility. And of course, he would not father children who would confuse or challenge the royal line that he served. But in Jerusalem, one's tribe and physical purity and wholeness mattered very much. You were supposed to go forth and multiply. The eunuch's path in life, by contrast, would not include being surrounded by children and grandchildren. Eunuchs are excluded from worship in the temple. In a sort of random conversation on Friday, someone reminded me of a Sesame Street song. One of these things is not like the others. Can you tell me which one doesn't belong? Well, in that throng, approaching and surrounding the temple, including our Ethiopian eunuch, 
who was hopeful and excited. It was like they were singing that song, and the answer to which one doesn't belong would have been that Ethiopian guy, the eunuch. He doesn't belong. He's different. He can't come in. When Philip caught up with him in the chariot, he was leaving Jerusalem, heading home. But notice, he hasn't given up on God. He has acquired something very valuable, a scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and he is reading it, studying it, trying to understand it. Philip, obedient as always to the Spirit, approached the chariot and heard him reading from Isaiah, and then I think the light bulb went on and he knew why the Spirit had directed him to that wilderness road. Philip asked him, do you understand what you are reading? And the man said, how can I, unless someone guides me? Get up in my chariot, let's talk about this. And there they were, heads together, studying the scroll. The Ethiopian read aloud, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him, who can describe this generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. So there he is, sitting in his chariot, a servant who has been excluded and marginalized from worship. And he is reading a prophecy of a silenced, humiliated, suffering servant. Does he feel like it is speaking directly to his heart? He asked, who is this? Who is this text about? And then Philip began to speak, beginning with this very reading. He proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus the Messiah, about his suffering described there, about his death, his resurrection, that he was the one who came to save and heal and welcome all of the broken and the excluded ones. They must have talked about baptism too because as they traveled along, the Ethiopian glanced up and said, look, there is some water. And then he said, and this was not a throwaway, casual question. He said, what is to prevent me from being baptized? Or maybe it was, what is to prevent me from being baptized? It was a real question. He was asking Philip, since I'm a Gentile, would that prevent me from being baptized? And Philip would have said, of course not. Philip, what about that I'm from a faraway country and my skin is a lot darker than yours? I don't look like you. Would that prevent me from being baptized? And Philip would have said, of course not. Well, Philip, what about that I'm a eunuch and I've been excluded from the temple? Does that prevent me from being baptized? And Philip would have said, of course not. Because Philip knew that if it's not good news to foreigners and eunuchs, then it's not the gospel. Convinced, they finally wade into the water. Two men as different as they can be, or maybe not that different at all. And Philip gently lowers the Ethiopian into the water and raises him up again into the family of Jesus Christ. If the Ethiopian was wondering about family, well, now he has Philip as his true brother. 
and he has all the mothers and fathers, all the brothers and sisters, all the children in the whole growing Christian church on earth to call his very own family. He went on his way rejoicing. And we aren't told, but if he continued to read a bit further in Isaiah, and I think he would have, this foreigner and eunuch would have read this. God said, maintain justice and do what is right, for soon my salvation will come. My deliverance will be revealed. Do not let the foreigner join to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And do not let the eunuch say, I am just a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. And the Ethiopian would have said, it's true, it just happened to me. When he got home, according to Ethiopian church history, he told them about Jesus the Messiah, crucified and risen. He told them about being loved and fully accepted by Jesus, and who knows, maybe he told them about his new brother, Philip. And the church was born there in Ethiopia, too. Now, as you are leaving today, if you look closely at our icon, uh, the middle panel of the three, which tells this story, you will see that we don't call him the Ethiopian eunuch. We call him the Holy Ethiopian because he, like all of us, is defined by more than our body parts, more than our splendidness or our deficiencies. We simply are, as it says in Colossians, God's holy and beloved ones. And don't we need to remember because like the holy Ethiopian, haven't we all felt at one time or another that we are on the margins, that we're different from others, that we're not good enough or whole enough or smart enough? And don't we meet others too who are broken and hurting, who wonder if they are really welcome in the church, if they belong around our table? For all those times that we and those around us wonder, can anything prevent us from the loving and inclusive fellowship of Christ? We can respond along with our Saint Philip. Certainly not. Nothing at all can separate you or me or anyone from the love of God in Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, amen.